Congratulations. Okay, who are you? Angela Alvarado. And when were you ordained? I was ordained in 2006. And where are you serving now? I'm serving at Intersection Community Church of the Nazarene. It's a church of the Nazarene in the YMCA um, on the east side of Indianapolis. Church plant. Yes, we are a church plant. And we have been, we started church planting in 2016. What are you preaching about right now? What's your series? We are not on a series. We actually follow the common lectionary. And so each one of us as pastors that serve there, we choose the passage from the common lectionary passage that we want to preach on. You guys have a rotating pulpit, don't you? Yes, we do have a rotating pulpit. We believe in one office of pastor, and we all serve it, so we all preach. We all take turns doing different things, wherever our giftings are. Um, although officially for the church, we each have a title. Um, we don't use those titles with each other and how we function in the church. We just do what needs to be done as pastors. What's something you're working on right now? This is a short version interview. I'm still going to interview you long. But what is something you're working on right now that you're really passionate about? Right now, as funny as it may sound, what I am passionate about is actually getting my Master's of Divinity. Um, that is very time-consuming because I am bivocational. And so I'm having to run my business do what ministry I can, but right now my focus and my ministry is to learn and to be a student, a Master's of Divinity student for this season of my life. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. All right, one piece of advice you would give someone wrestling with the call? Hmm. Someone wrestling with the call. Of course, everyone will tell you to pray about it, and that is... Um, definitely something you should do, but finding someone that you can talk it through with to be able to wrestle with your doubts, to be able to pray over you and with you to speak truth into your life of the giftings they see. I think that's the greatest way to get it nailed down for you. An affirmation of your calling. If you really are called is to have that. And sometimes it takes more than one person. Um, some people don't know you as well as others. I would suggest um, talking to your spouse if you're married or to a family member, but also someone who has walked that path before you in ministry as well. We really need to tell better stories instead of complaining about it, right? What if we just start telling the stories and flood the airwaves with something different? Hey, welcome to This Is Her Story. And it's been a few weeks since I attended the M19 conference, which is a leadership and missions conference for our denomination. And it's taken me a few weeks to process this experience. The next day after I came home from the conference, I felt bad. Well, part of it was because I had motion sickness from the plane, but there's also this part of me that felt like there's something wrong with me. Like I should be able to go to a four-day conference and not come home and have to just spend the entire day reading. Although I was glad to hear that some of my extroverted friends were just as spent from the event. So if you've listened to the previous episode, you know what I'm talking about, uh, being an introvert 
but I, I think I just kept beating myself up saying, you know, you should be able to go to a four day conference and not have to clear your schedule for the next 24 to 48 hours when you come home because you're just exhausted. And then about a week later, I was talking with someone. They were asking me about the conference and how it went. And this person has nothing to do with our denomination. And they're, I would say, maybe a nominal Christian. So I didn't. I just told them it was a leadership conference. I didn't go into, into what it was all about. But So they asked how it went. And in a moment of just complete candidness, I said, you know, I can't do four days of happy clappy. I mean, I know, I mean, I like, I like having a good time. Joy is the fruit of the spirit. I get that. But I just don't know that we have been created by God to do happy clappy for four days, you know, nonstop. I mean, I think there's a reason that he created us to rest on the seventh day and that the sun comes up and the sun goes down to signal our bodies that it's time to take a break. And I'm not really sure that the church is helping the world by insisting on happy clappy all the time. I mean, the fruit of the spirit, joy is a fruit of the spirit, but reality includes a huge range of complex emotions. And that there's validity in us experiencing the myriad, the full spectrum of our emotions throughout the rhythm of the week. And that we just were not designed to stay up there all the time. Maybe it's why just as many Christians find themselves using alcohol and drugs and antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication because somehow we've convinced them that if they're not constantly happy or constantly in a state of peace, that there's something wrong with them and that we really need to embrace and be in touch with, acknowledge all of the, all of those emotions that we're experiencing. And then there's also this sense at the conference. So first of all, I want to say I'm not being critical, but I am, give, am giving a critique of the event, and, I, and this is my honest critique. Um, it's, everything was magnified. As a matter of fact, we were so busy rushing from one moment to the next that I don't even know what I experienced, or at least it took me several weeks to be able to articulate it. And, and everything was magnified and maximized. So everything from the sound to the lights to the disco strobe balls um, to the quantity of information and options available. I think that there may have been value in offering a little more um, downtime or a little more reflection. I know they're trying to maximize uh, the fact that you came so far and that you spent so much money and and so they want to offer you all of those things. But there's something to be said for enjoying the cycles of the highs, the lows, and the boring middles. And that it's okay to get bored every once in a while, even at a conference. So since I've done the critical part of the critiquing, let me share with you the five most meaningful moments that stayed with me from the conference. 
And so the first one, and this is not necessarily in importance, but the first one I would say was Dr. Carla Sundberg's message. This is why it was meaningful to me. Um, it was authentic and it was birthed from a place of both joy and pain. So she had just recently lost her mother. And as a matter of fact, she was leaving right after that to go to the funeral. And there was there's something about it being birthed both in joy and pain that made it anointed and vulnerable. And if we need anything in the church these days, we need to be authentic and we need to be vulnerable. The second one would be Ed Stetzer. So here's what, here's what I thought about Ed Stetzer. First of all, he's from a tradition, a denomination that does not ordain women, but he has spoken before uh, on his that he is in agreement that the that the church should be ordaining women, and that we need all of us on the field if we really believe in the Great Commission. But I appreciated that he helped us to laugh at ourselves, and he helped us to minimize and clarify the essentials from the non-essentials. And, and we do need that. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves. We need to realize that sometimes the church is just ridiculous and we need to get over ourselves so that we can really be about God's work. And the third one that the third moment that stayed with me was Dr. Yarhouse's workshop. He did three. I was only able to attend one and he was in particular, he was speaking into the LGBT community, the church, how we minister to that community. And here's what stuck me. It wasn't so much what he said, but was that he showed us that we can be articulate and compassionate and gracious. We need to be able to tie all those together. We have a tendency in the church to do one or the other, but he modeled for us that we can be articulate and educated as well as compassionate and, as, and gracious as well. And then the last two were meaningful to me. I think these are, this, is, this is what we miss sometimes when we're in conferences like this and when we're, going, we're just moving from one moment to the next and, and we don't allow ourselves to really experience it. And, and there was in one workshop where I just, I just got to this point where I thought there's, there's so much chaos and so much clutter in this whole, in this whole thing, just noise and information and lights. And, and in this moment, someone who I haven't seen in several years, who I only met once, uh, came up to me and, and, and said, aren't you Joanne Bastine? And, and, and recalled the conversation that we had had that was at least eight years ago now. And it was as if God reached down and said, even in the chaos, you can be in the moment. And I, I saw how he was just showing us how we can be present and we can be mindful of who is around us and who we are encountering and that he hasn't, um, he's not overwhelmed by the chaos, even if we are. And the last uh, moment that really stuck with me was on the last night and I had said to the other person I was with, I want to get fish. Well, we were in Kansas City, which is home of barbecue. And she's like, 
your options are barbecue or barbecue. And I said, no, I want fish. So we found this little sushi place called the Drunken Fish. And there were only two seats left when we got back in there. So we had to sit at the bar and order our sushi. Although I don't think she had sushi because she doesn't like it. But just the two of us sitting there. And there was a, a lady sitting next to us on the end who struck up a conversation with us, telling us about Elton John being in town. And that's why there were no places to park and no places to eat. And she told us about the blue lights on the trees and and where we could walk over here to see these things. And I had no intention of actually taking her up on any of her suggestions. But just the moment of being there and listening to her share this information about her area and where she lived and her neighborhood. And there's something genuine and holy about being in a moment and, and just being present that made it unique and made it memorable. And that maybe we put too much emphasis on how loud and how fast and how grandiose it has to be. And that when we're in the moment and we're present and we allow God to be there with us, that even the seemingly trivial and boring stuff can become some of the most profound. And that moment, as we walk back to our hotel and we're getting ready to finish up the last of the conference, and I thought it was probably the most powerful moment of the whole four days because we were just there and enjoying everything about it. And we weren't thinking about how it could be louder or better or bigger, just enjoying what was there with us in that moment. And so maybe in in a sense, the whole conference was powerful for me in the sense of I came home appreciating a little bit more the lows and the boring stuff. And just as the lows help us appreciate the highs, the highs help us appreciate the lows and the boring places. So this week, as we enter into the Lenten season, I hope you will embrace the lows and the boring moments. So use this as a time of reflection and allow yourself to be changed and transformed as we move towards Easter. Easter.